Oh yeah, it is a Monday, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else. It is Monday, let's go, oh, yes, let's go, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, in case you were wondering, this is uh, Fed965, yes. That's F E D nine six five, and uh, welcome to Baby Blue Vibers. And I will repeat, uh, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, it is Monday. Yeah, Monday, it's a new week. Lines and go ho, lines and go ho. And you know, the price of Bitcoin is currently 2,213,270 Cape Verdean Escudos. Yeah, currency code CVE. And uh, the block kind is uh, currently um, 751693. And we have 946 days left. Yes, we do. And I am currently uh, uh, bare chested. Um, the gold cross is visible around my neck. And I'm wearing um, a blue uh, gym shorts with uh, white stripes. Currently barefoot. And I'm currently. Uh, you know, uh, reclining slash I'm resting up against the headboard of the bed. And, you know, I just went on a, uh, you know, fantastic run this morning with uh, Big Rioja. And, um, you know, I worked up quite of a, you know, a bit of a sweat there. And it was really just a great way to start off, you know, not only the day, but the week. Yes, it was. And, you know, uh, there was a, also a slight drizzle, which was, you know, really just fantastic. It was, you know, the first drizzle that I have experienced in Spain, you know, thus far, you know, um, so, you know, it cooled things down, a, you know, a tiny bit, but it only lasted like, you know, 10 minutes, and then the, you know, the heat just uh, came right on in, and, um, you know, dried everything up, but it was great to have, on, you know, on the run, you know, nice little drizzle, but, you know, well, then it was, uh, you know, uh, then it was gone, and, you know, got a little bit of wet there for a second you know me and the dog but after that you know you know the heat dried us off real quick so it was kind of like a win-win if you ask me and uh you know point is that you know uh highly recommend you get a run in and uh and yeah now also i saw yesterday for the first time i know you'll be uh surprised for the first time i saw valley girl yesterday on the on the Criterion, um, uh, yeah, I think it's Criterion Channel or Criterion Collection Channel, Criterion Collection. I don't want to plug Criterion too much here, but I'm a fan of uh, you know Criterion. They really have just you know the best movies on there, and you know they had Valley Girl, which I'd never seen, and this is you know one of Nick Cage's uh, um, first um, films. You know it's um, it's up there, uh, and you know I've talked about. This before, but Nick Cage is, you know, you know, probably the greatest actor of his generation, um, and that's just what it is. 
And, you know, this is, you know, um, from his, you know, earlier, uh, uh, you know, period, uh, I would say. And it was just a really a great uh, film. I highly recommend you check out Valley Girl. Um, I think the director is a Martha, uh, I might be mistaken, Coolridge or uh, Coolridge. Martha, um, let me, let me see, let me get this uh, right here. That is uh, Martha, um, Martha Coolidge, yes. Uh, starring Nicolas Cage, Deborah Foreman, Michelle uh, Mayrink, Elizabeth Daly, Cameron Dye, and Michael Bowen. Um, it's really just a great uh, film from uh, 1983. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Saw it for the first time yesterday. And, uh, of course, you know, just one more reason why Nick Cage is, you know, the greatest of the great uh, and the greatest actor of his generation. And, uh, you know, still leading, you know, the charge. Um, so, just another, you know, uh, feather in his cap. Uh, one of the earlier uh, feathers, though, uh, Valley Girl. Uh, point is, it is Monday, is it not? And, uh, you know, we should here check out what's going on in the world, should we not? Um, so let's see, going right to the, to the news here. To the news. We're going to the news from CNN. Russia's war in Ukraine. Live updates from uh, CNN. Hundreds of children among 1,000 people killed by Pakistan monsoon rains and floods. Jesus Christ, that's horrible. Um, Chile's do or die referendum. Yes, there's a referendum going on in Chile for um, a new constitution. As you know, I also have, um, uh, I guess you could say, uh, you know, Chilean blood. Um, and, um, you know, uh, so, you know, if this is, uh, you know, something that I have uh, heard about from uh, family members, um, so yeah so we'll see what happens here but yeah, it's basically there's an it's a referendum for a new constitution if i'm not mistaken that will be voted on here um presently uh within the i think very soon actually uh so there and there's been people saying you know that this is a good idea that this proposal for the new constitution is a good idea other people say that the proposed uh, new constitution is bad you know, your standard stuff, you know, some people saying it's good, some people saying it's bad, but we will see what the people decide, will we not? From uh, Al Jazeera, Al Sadr uh, withdraws, uh, in, uh, withdraws in quotes from Iraqi politics after months of tensions. From CNN, Libya suffered its deadliest fighting in years. Here's what to know about the crisis. Um... And yeah, it just goes on and on, doesn't not? Goes on and on and on and on and on. Goes on and on and on and on and on. It's just what it is. Um, and you know, speaking of things that just go on and on, um, kind of like uh, you know, life. You know, matter of speaking, though. You know, it does. You know, stop. Uh, you know, at some point, at least at the individual level, and then you know, for other people, it goes on though. Um, course if you're talking about like mass extinction events where it stops for everything at the same time that's one thing even though it does go on again does it not in fact we don't have any um you can't point to any data where it doesn't go on sorry but you can't 
because it is going on right now. So at the moment, we do not know that um, of a you know of a time when life did not go on. Yes, you might just you know be you might bring up a specific case where you know say life stopped right here, but and then eventually you know it, it came back. Did it not? It did. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to say here. Of course, you might say in the future, perhaps it will stop and then it won't go on again. And maybe you're right. But at the moment, that's all just, you know, rhetorical, hypothetical theories, uh, guesses. Um, but what we do know is that life goes on. Um, that's all we really know. Uh, point is, it is Monday. It's a new week. Uh, you know, we're all still alive. At least everyone listening to this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with that, you know, I don't have a specific topic today. I mean, we could talk about good and evil, you know, you know things that are and things that seem. We could talk about sexual practices. You know, we haven't, you know, dived into sexual practices yet. Um, we definitely need to put that on the agenda soon to get into sexual practices. I think I'm going to make a note of it so that we can eventually, you know, circle circle back here to, uh, you know, talk about, you know, sexual practices, which, you know, I know that you want to listen to that. I know you do. We all want to talk about sexual practices. In fact, I would say that this entire podcast is really just, um, you know, uh, leading up to sexual practices, to the sexual practices episode. Um, perhaps though I may just you know just start only talking about sexual practices see that's that's the fear that I have that if I start talking about sexual practices that I won't stop that's what I'm a little bit afraid of um, hence the reason why I have yet to talk about it because I'm always I'm always keeping it in like uh, you know like you got to be careful because once you start and get into sexual practices it's very hard uh, you know, to ease off the gas. You know, once you go down that, you know, down that road, it's very hard to turn around because that road just keeps on going. That's what I'm saying. It just keeps on going. It's, it goes up and down, sideways, diagonal, diagonal, you know, up the mountain, you know, through the valley. There's a lot of tunnels there and, you know, there's rivers. There's just a lot going on when you go down that path of sexual practices. That's why, you know, we have not dived in yet into you know all different practices i mean you could of course you could go into modern sexual practices you could go into you know medieval sexual practices yes we might do a show just on medieval sexual practices and of course you could go into roman sexual practices this is much more uh, known you know uh you know roman sexual practices or uh, well they painted uh they painted frescoes about them that's how well known they were um, of course, you could also get into Etruscan sexual practices. What do you know about that? Huh? What do you know about that? Uh, you know, I'm feeling generous today. You know, I want to give you just uh, a little bit of Etruscan sexual practices. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, you're getting a treat today on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're all getting a treat because, you know, I could talk about sexual practices, you know, for, for hours, for days. Well, I mean... There's so much to me, Etruscan sexual practices. This is a good one. This is a real good. So I guess first, I don't know if you all know about the Etruscans. Do you guys know who the Etruscans are? I mean, what am I, you know, what level are you guys at? And gals and everything in between and on the other edges of. But just to give you a quick rundown in case you do not know, uh, from Wikipedia. 
Uh, the Etruscan civilization of ancient Italy covered a territory at its greatest extent of roughly what is now Tuscany, Western Umbria, and Northern Lazio, as well as what are now the Po Valley. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, the earliest evidence of a culture that is identifi identifiably Etruscan dates from about 900 BC. This is a period of the Iron Age Villanovan culture considered to be the earliest phase of Etruscan civilization, which itself developed from previous late Bronze Age proto-Villanovan cultures in the same region. Okay, the Etruscan civilization, uh, civilization endured until it was assimilated to Roman society. Um, yeah, so this isn't really giving you enough about... The, see, the Etruscans are this fascinating culture, civilization, that, um, you know, apparently, you know, they were there, you know, because I'm going to do a better job than Wikipedia here, but you know, apparently they were there before, you know, Roman civilization really... Uh, um, Began and I see I'm gonna get lost in the weeds here because there's so much to say But I don't know if you know the history of Rome. Do you know the history of Rome or at least the mythology of Rome? Okay, so very quickly the mythology of Rome is that um, Rome was founded by uh, Aeneas is um, you know, he, he's like the first of the first Aeneas is a prince of Troy um, of course, I hope you know, um, at least tell me that you know the history of uh, Troy. Come on, give me that at least. Come on. If you don't know that, I mean, just really stop listening to this podcast and go somewhere else and do some reading and come back. But if you don't know what Troy, I don't know what to say here. Okay, so if you know Troy, at least, you know that, um, you know, uh, the Greek, um, you know, confederation there um, led by uh, King Agamemnon. Um, uh, with his, um, you know, in order to, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, causes for the war. The most famous one being, of course, that it was uh, in order to, to get back uh, Helen of Sparta, because originally she was from Sparta, um, which is uh, where the king was uh, King Menelaus. King Menelaus was um, the brother of uh, Agamemnon. And so when uh, Paris, another uh, prince of Troy, um, he's at a, uh, basically, he's at a, um, like a, like a meeting in Sparta. He's over there doing some, um, some diplomacy with, uh, the king of Sparta, even though his, I mean, this is why he was the younger brother. The older brother in charge was Hector, and Hector's known as, you know, a great, um, you know, the great warrior, the great hero of Troy, whereas Paris was his younger brother, who was kind of, kind all he, he, all he did was spend his time, apparently, with women and partying. I mean, you can't really blame him. It's a great way to spend your time. But when you're dealing with, um, you know, uh, uh, geopolitics, it's not really ideal. But point is, um, and of course, uh, uh, we're going to get stuck. We're already, I'm already in the weeds here. So we're going to get uh, as to the reasons why, you know, Paris eventually, you know, uh, you know, gets Helen there of Sparta, in Sparta. And then, you know, he... Uh, he hides her in a ship and they go back to Troy and by the time that Hector finds out that Paris did this it's too late um, and everybody in Sparta is already um, you know aware that uh, Helen left with Paris and of course though there are the gods are involved here specifically the goddesses because um, you know the goddesses Aphrodite uh, uh, Athena and Hera came to Paris earlier in a vision and told him uh, to pick which one was the most beautiful one and they each offered him different prizes if he picked them. Point is that Paris chose Aphrodite and Aphrodite promised him the most beautiful woman in the world which at the time was Helen of Sparta. Uh, hence the reason also of why uh, uh, Helen went with Paris. 
Uh, point is that uh, then, you know, Menelaus is really mad. Obviously, his wife just, uh, you know, ran off with uh, Paris here to Troy. And so he goes to his brother, uh, who was like, who was kind of like the overlord there um, of all the, the Greek city-states. Um, he was one that like, they all paid homage to him, the King Agamemnon, uh, including Odysseus and Achilles and uh, Ajax. Um, so he was a very important guy. He was ruthless, um, but, you know, that's probably why he was, you know, in the position that he was. Point is that he apparently already wanted to go to war with uh, Troy, and so he just used this as an excuse, of course, like, to rally everybody, all the Greek city-states at the time, or, or the Greek, I don't know if they even considered city-states yet. This is before the city-states. Uh, this is when they were, you know, small kingdoms. This, the city-states is um, around the... In the golden age, there would be like a 500 or 400 BC, something like that. 300 BC, probably. Um, five, maybe five, not five to three. Uh, point is, you know, then eventually, um, Agamemnon, with the help of everybody, and of course, this is where Homer writes about this. Um, but you know, the Iliad is based on this. It's ten-year war to conquer Troy, but eventually they, uh, you know, they manage to do it. Uh, you know. Achilles dies in the fighting, actually. Uh, Paris, Achilles kills Hector, and then uh, Paris uh, kills Achilles. Of course, you know, the famous saying, you know, the arrow through the Achilles tendon, where Achilles had his only weakness in his body because, you know, he was um, dipped by his mother into the river. Uh, I think it was the River Styx. I might be might be the wrong river, but he was dipped into one of the, um, the rivers of the underworld, I think. And that's, you know, uh, the point is that she had to hold on to him at some point. Um, and the, the reason, so that's the reason that he wasn't totally immortal is because um, his mother, who was a goddess or a demigod or uh, something like that, um, his father wasn't, but his mother was. Um, so she dipped him into the, in the river when, she was, when he was a baby, but she had to hold on to him by his Achilles. And so that's the reason that that was his weakness there. That part didn't get into the river. So that's where Paris shoots him. And uh, yeah, eventually he dies, but Agamemnon conquers um, uh, Troy. And Aeneas, another prince, I think he's a cousin or second cousin of Paris, uh, escapes from Troy. And eventually the whole uh, you know, story is that he makes it to Italy. And eventually, um, you know, the Romans claim descendant uh, from Aeneas. And hence, that's why they claim descendant of Troy. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to, you know, to, to tap into the mythology. Point is that the Etruscans are in that area at the same time, and they're a very strange, esoteric, uh, you know, very mythical, obscure. There's a lot of different ideas about who the Etruscans were and their relationships, not only to the Romans, but, you know, to the greater uh, Italian culture and uh, to the greater, you know, the European culture there as well. More importantly, though, they had some, uh, a lot of sexual practices. Yeah. Yeah, it's very fascinating. They actually had some... Uh, I actually went, as you know, I think I've mentioned this, but I spent a year in Italy in... Uh, I'm not going to say when, but I spent a year in Italy, and I spent it in, like, what would uh, be Etruscia. You know, that would be the area of the Etruscans. So, you know, it was um, about two hours or an hour and a half train ride from Rome, uh, the city, I'm not going to dox myself, a city where I was, you know, staying there, but it was in Etruscan... Uh, or what was Etruscan countryside. Um, point is that, you know, uh, managed to go to a lot of the different um, 
archaeological Etruscan sites, and they have some fascinating artwork, uh, fascinating artwork, but also some fascinating, they have a lot of tombs. Yeah, that's the whole thing about them as well. I forgot to mention that. There's a lot of tombs with frescoes, and they have their own language. It looks like there's like even maybe possibly a literature. The Etruscans are just this fascinating culture that we don't know that much about them or where they come from. And, you know, eventually they, were, they are assimilated into the Roman, uh, you know, into Rome because Rome just ends up, you know, obviously, you know, conquering that whole area. Um, but, you know, the Etruscans were there and, you know, um, there's a, a period with Rome where there's like three Etruscan kings or something become part of Rome, um, become Roman kings. And there's like the mixing of the cultures there. It's all fascinating. But in terms of sexual practices, let's see if we can bring up one of the tombs. Tombs of the Etruscan. There's a lot of essays on Etruscan sexual practices if you want to look it up. Tombs of Etruscan sexual. Let's see. Um... Uh, this one's a good one. This is a classic. I've, I've, I've been to this one. Uh, this is the uh, the, the Etruscan, um, quotes, tomb of the whipping, known for its uh, rape scene frescoes. Yep, so it's basically uh, 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 these. there's a man in front and a man behind uh, a woman who is, you know, uh, you know, one man is taking her from behind, well, you know, she is uh, stimulating the, you know, the man in front. And, you know, they're uh, both whipping her at the same time. Um, and this is a fresco. And it's an Etruscan fresco. This is from the year approximately 490 B.C. Yes, you heard that right. And it looks like the woman is possibly a slave woman. Um, and, yeah, so there's a lot of erotic scenes like this uh, in the tombs and frescoes up there. It's fascinating. There's a whole tombs of this filled with these... You know, I wonder if it was because the the tomb of this person was just, uh, you know, he loved his sexual practices as well. So maybe he wanted to continue on, you know, in the uh, afterlife uh, with sexual practices. So the point is, you know, that's, you know, I'm just going to, that was a little treat for the Monday. So, you know, Etruscan sexual practices, you know, uh, we'll get in perhaps more to other, you know, sexual practices later. I think that was a really good one to start with. Um, so remember that's volumes Etruscan sexual practices episode one Etruscan maybe something like that we can call this um, point is you know, we'll definitely get back into it uh, maybe this is a prologue to the you know really to the to the sexual practices you know perhaps we just should start a whole different show that's only about this um, uh, I mean according to the archaeologist.org the flogging might have had a ritualistic nature Erotic scenes like this had an, a, a, a protropaic purpose to keep demons away from the tomb. They were also life-affirming and need to be interpreted in clear contrast to symbolism of death. Along with the fresco of the tomb of the bulls, these paintings are relatively rare examples of explicit sexual scenes in Etruscan art, which, are, which were far more common in ancient Greek art. Interesting. Okay. I did not know that. So according to... Um, uh, archaeologist.org, that they were not as common in... Uh, in the Etruscan uh, culture, but were more common in Greek art. Um, yeah, so that's one way to uh, to see. Uh, I don't know if I subscribe to this theory, by the way, um, because you know from what I've seen, there are a, a lot of erotic uh, scenes in, in Etruscan art as well as Greek art, of course. So I would have to, you know, really uh, you know, have a conversation with uh, whoever wrote this article, and we'd have to look at all the different scenes and. Uh, 
you know, really dive into the different, uh, you know, uh, positions to really determine uh, and, of course, count the number of uh, frescoes currently, you know, um, uh, this, you know, brought to light. But then there's so many frescoes that have not been ex excavated yet. So we'd have to make a guess about that, too. And, you know, it's really just really too hard to tell. What we do know, though, is that there is this tomb of the whipping. And that's all we really know for certain. Um, though we do know other things for certain as well. Um, because according to science... Um, what? Get out of here. Uh, this is according to ScienceNorway.no. Um, believes the art left in Etruscan tomb shows the moment of orgasm was absolutely central for the transition from life to death. You see that? The moment of orgasm, you are outside of yourself. You are in a kind of trance, says Brandt. Um, quotes, this allowed the participants to come into contact with the dark forces the souls of the dead met on their way to the kingdom of death. End quote. The form of the sexual encounter didn't seem to matter. The pictures in the tombs uh, depict various types of sexual acts, both heterosexual and homosexual. Brandt argues that it was the act of orgasm that mattered, not the manner in which it was achieved. Um, blood gives eternal life. Blood may also have been an element that the Etruscans used to ensure that the soul reaches the kingdom of death and gained eternal life. In many places in the world, blood was an important part of animal and human sacrifice and funeral rituals. Brynn is particularly focused on the Etruscan image. It shows a bloody man whose head is covered as he is attacked by a dog. The scene is interesting, he says, but there is another man who has a leash on the dog and who is clearly orchestrating what is happening. The scene creates both fear and laughter, he says. He believed that the Etruscans saw laughter as protecting people from the dark, transcendental forces that tried to come to the world of the living. Yeah, so it's all fascinating. The Etruscans were really intense. Um, uh, uh, the, the, well, he's saying the Etruscans left no written sources, so modern historians depend on records left by the Romans and Greeks when studying their cultures. Quotes, instead of trying to understand the Etruscans from the Etruscans, says Brent, the key, says, is to understand death as a, trans as a transitional ritual that consists of three phases. One, the separation phase, which occurs at the moment of death when the soul is released from the body. Two, the transition phase when the soul sets out on its perilous journey across the border of death to the kingdom of death. Three, the reunification phase when the soul comes to the kingdom of death and meets its ancestors and celebrates with a big party. Okay, so, you know, that's kind of what we're working with today on this Monday, is it not? And, you know, with that, you know, I hope you have a, just a great day, you know, think about these things, think of the Etruscans, think of sexual practices, and think of everything else, okay? And with that, you know, I will see you soon.